legalizefreedom.com. Why are we here? Where do we come from? Where are we going? From the nature of reality to the future of humanity. Listen without limits. Unchain your brain. Change your thinking. Change your life. Legalizefreedom.com Greetings and welcome once again to LegalizeFreedom.com. I'm your host, Greg Moffat, and my guest today is James Tunney, who joins us for the latest in an ongoing series of dialogues exposing the assault on humanity by the emerging global technocratic dictatorship. In the early 21st century, there is a war against humanity. Non-material forces and ultra-dimensional entities appear to be involved. They deny the existence of powers beyond five-sense three-dimensional reality while simultaneously using them against us. Ultimately, this is a spiritual battle, and their agenda is profoundly anti-human. Who are they? What do they want? And why do we surrender? Hello and welcome, James, and thank you so much for joining us once again on LegalizeFreedom.com. Looking forward to the conversation, Greg. Today, James, we're doing part two um, of a, a recent conversation that we started, and that was inspired by, by your new book, Plantation of the Automatons, Rule of an autom- Automaticity Loop. Now, I'm going to dispense with the personal int- introduction on this one, because every previous interview that we've done together, and there have been a few, uh, you've set out a potted bio. Um, I yes. recommend in any event that listeners uh, check out part one of this interview uh, ideally before they come to this part so um, they, they can find out all about your background and your work very easily if Agreed. they want to and, and there's links in any event on this interview page to your website so yeah what we're going to be doing today last time we explored many themes that we have in previous conversations about what we're facing as a species in terms of um, advances and changes in uh, mainly in technology, but they're affecting every dimension of our lives, social life, political life, economic, pretty much everything that you can think of. And the last few years have been uh, really a, a living, how can I put it, lesson in um, how this can be ramped up uh, very, very easily. And although things have sort of feel like they're a little bit more relaxed now, the pandemic phase and the response to it saw great advances in the agendas that you and I have discussed and you've written extensively about, uh, that of technocracy, um, of uh, scientism, uh, transhumanism as well. So today uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about the non-material dimensions of what we're facing because I think really that's where the crux of it lies ultimately Uh, because you can talk all day, we can talk all day about uh, command and control systems and uh, uh, surveillance matrix, you know, 24-7, digital, cur- digital currencies, uh, social credit systems, all these other things that can be used to corral us into, um, you know, the human zoo and uh, monitor yeah. our lives, restrict our lives in whatever way uh, is deemed appropriate or suitable by those whose agenda this is. Uh, 
But behind that, there's something which I think really holds the key to it all. How to kick this off, I'm not quite sure. Simply, one thought that occurred to me, it has occurred to me time and time again, not just in recent years with what we've been through, but prior to this, when thinking about these technocratic and transhumanist agendas, is that increasingly as the 21st, sorry, the 20th century came to an end and we moved into the 21st, those of us in secular Western industrial civilizations were repeatedly being told uh, that there was no meaning, no purpose to existence, to life. Religion was fading away, you know, traditional religion, um, any sort of uh, sort of observant, observance along those lines. If there was any sort of spirituality, it was of the new age variety. But people were increasingly seeking meaning and purpose in materialism, both senses of the word as a way of life, acquisitive, and as a cosmology that, you know, matter is all that matters. There's only five senses, three dimensions. That is it. So we're being denied this non-material dimension of our very existence, you know, of reality, of the cosmos, of nature. But it seemed to me that those who, that whatever it is, who, what, whatever forces were seeking to control and exploit us were taking advantage of non-material dimensions of reality in whatever way. So maybe you could just address that central idea. It's saying nothing to see here. You know, there is nothing behind the curtain. Uh, there are no forces that cannot be measured and explained by science. But by the way, we're using these very things against you. Uh, well, yes, there is, there's been, methinks they do protest too much about spirit. And when you dig a bit deeper, it's difficult to find a, a rejection of spirit in some of the people that want to control us. It's really a rejection of a certain type of light spirit that, that, that is desired by them. So there is a strange fascination in certain quarters with uh, technology and with magic. And behind that, and there's a, there's a question of degree, of course, or uh, of our knowledge as well, there is a sense that there is a, a dark force. And of course, if you start any argument with uh, talking about dark forces, um, you can easily be labeled as, as some kind of crank and it's easy to, to, it's easy to ridicule the argument. But there are various people. One of one of the people that Jeff um, was familiar, familiar with was Wilson von Dusen, for example, who who believed that a lot of schizophrenia was actually spirit possession, and he treated it accordingly. And there's another chap at the moment uh, in America working on that same premise. So it is quite incredible that the more mind doctors we have, we seem to have uh, a, a proportionally more uh, associated more uh, d mental disease. So so all these doctors are not really contributing towards the diminishment uh, of, of mental disease. And there is a strong sense that mental disease, disease is associated with a, a spiritual problem, that there is a spiritual dimension to it. And I trace this back to the change associated with Thomas Huxley, where they began to make a deliberate move with in imperial science not just to to banish religion but to take spirit out of any discourse that was in any way scientific and that's in fact the origin of psychical research as a, as a reaction against that movement within uh, imperial science and 
in in that context, spiritualism in Britain in particular is associated, really, in, 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 you could trace it back to, or some elements, some streams uh, back to Blake. And Swedenborg was a big player in igniting a, a, a certain wave of belief or, or a reinterpretation of the spirit world. And he was very, very clear about uh, light and darkness and about spiritual light. And I, my views accord with him in this context, independently of that, before I, I began to look in more detail at, at his views. That, uh, and this accords also with the, the Gnostic uh, approach and the Gospel of Thomas and even the canonical Gospels, that we are, we are light beings, that our nature is light, and that a lot of spiritual experience is about us encountering the light to which we recognize, a, a spiritual light which is different from natural light. And uh, Swedenborg makes this point in Heaven and Hell when he's talking about the nature of Heaven and Hell. Uh, he, he says that natural light is a cold a cold light and spiritual light is, is a warm light. It's, and I would, I would describe it as effective, effective light. So in, in a lot of non-normal experience or extraordinary experience or spiritual experience or mystical experience. There's an experience of light. And this, the sense of light is that it's it's noetic, it's informative, uh, it's a living force, and we are part of that. And that if you look at the, the, the gospel of, of Thomas, the Gnostic uh, gospel, or the non-canonical uh, text, uh, he, he says, uh, Jesus says that if they ask you where you come from, say you you came from the place where light ca came into being of its own accord. So there was a, a there was a deeper connection with light, uh, and in contrast to that, we have obviously the idea of darkness, and of course this this is found in all the traditions in the Persian traditions. And uh, Swedenborg was saying that he, he made an interesting. He's one of the only writers that claims to have been in hell and seen hell. And he said that in hell, people don't look any different than than, than they did uh, normally. But if you're a spiritual being, you will see that their ugliness. So it, it's it's about the spiritual eyes and spiritual light. The, the classes, if you look at the elite classes, and if you look at secret societies, you'll see certain motifs that, that, that come up again and again. The the skull is a classic classic one. Uh, an awful lot of the the secret societies in the United States use the skull. Um, there are certain motifs that come up, and they're associated with that from what we read or, or what we can, uh, what information we can glean that that's reliable. We do have a belief in a force which is uh, which is a, a non-human force. Now, again, uh, I, I tend to be a bit careful about being very specific about that force, but it, it's it's a force which is in every religion, whether you're, 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 uh, you come from an Islamic background or Christian background or a non-religious background. People are aware that there are beings which can possess uh, the individual. And, and I've talked about the good people, as they call it. I'm not going to be talking loud about the fairies too much. <laughs> bring bad luck but uh, these beings in my view also refer to beings that can move into uh, human consciousness and can po possess us so i don't have any problem in accepting that we are subject to 
forces which are are, are beyond uh, the material naturalistic uh, regime. And I don't have any uh, any problem at all in believing that certain groups uh, are are utilize uh, access to different uh, domains. And often this uh, this is in so people are clear about it. I, I've I've located the my critique on, on an Atlanticist basis, meaning the the Anglosphere and uh, the occult basis in the Anglosphere uh, is is very very strong. And it's you, you can see it in a whole range in a vast interest in a whole range of people who are associated with with the uh, occult. And I'm not saying everyone associated with the occult is is a dark or, or is inherently dark, but certain figures are. And you see certain crossovers, for example, with the deep state, with the intelligence systems, the idea of intelligence, the idea of uh, certain secretive operations. There, there is a crossover, and there's an often a strong link between people involved in magic uh, and people involved in deep state activities. So um, the denial of of that connection is is uh, is hard to to maintain. They are certainly interested in in some some of these uh, forces in 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 the existence of this reality. And when we're talking about the movement towards a a mechanical plant system where the human is assimilated through a process of endosymbiosis into a, an international metallic network, uh, iron and silicon and, and nickel, uh, the solid state entity. Uh, there is a, a sense that there is a creation of the greater Leviathan. And that was, that was the supposedly positive name that Hobbes talks about in relation to the state, this greater force. And of course, James Lovelock has talked about in the Nova scene about us becoming plans towards this system. So whether you come at it from a scientific perspective or whether you come at it from a cult perspective, there is this idea that we are we are giving up or yielding what existed before as our individual sovereign and eternal soul. And we're pooling it in some way into a mechanical system. And there's no doubt that 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 idea of sorcery is very, very deep in relation to high technology. It's there. It's mentioned. It, it's conceded by and advertised, in fact, by people like Arthur C. Clarke, who, who talked about the indistinguishability of magic and high technology, as we know. So uh, there's, there's no doubt that there is a, a perception of, of a different force. And it's it's uh, you can, of course, we can read in all the texts or significant texts, Manly Hall, etc., the idea a long-held idea that one could succumb to a higher force and gain from access to the spirit world. That's what a lot of conjuring is about in its true sense. It's gaining the power over spirits to do the will that, on this material plane for a temporary period. Just a very quick note of uh, housekeeping. Uh, towards the top of your comments there, you, you mentioned Jeff. Were you referring to Jeffrey Mishlov? Sorry, Jeffrey we... Mishlov. I apologize. Uh, no, that's okay. Just for because yeah, yeah. we talked about him off air. So this is Jeffrey Mishlov yes. yeah, yeah. of um, Thinking Aloud, a new, yeah. new, new yeah. Thinking Aloud fame, just if people wanted to, Good to, point, yeah. to cross-reference that. Well, yeah, you also alluded to the fact in terms of uh, experience of light, different qualities of light, different properties, different fundamental types about the anomalous experiences, so-called you know, near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, and uh, those who have these experiences, how they report 
um, whether it's moving towards the light, moving through the light, becoming one with the light, um, realizing that there there are fundamentally lights and that you know that all is um, has that uh, that quality to it. So there's that idea which is well established in the in the you know the accounts, whether first person, uh, second, or you know however they're recounted. And uh, there's also the very interesting effects of different types of light, you know, whether it be sunlight, reflected sunlight as moonlight, all the forms of artificial light, you know, electrical light that that we our technology has generated at, uh, compared to, for example, the light from a fire, which is, you know, the first type of light that we really ever had, apart from, you know, the light from the from the sky, yeah. as it were. So there's there's a lot to play with in all of that. And it, the potential detrimental effects of artificial light are well documented but also ways to counter that with you know not just with an absence of light but with the right type of light as it were is also um you know part of the, the modalities for um yes. kind of uh, ameliorating some of these uh, you know deleterious technological effects that are um that are yes. uh, doing so much harm to us in, in the modern environment yes and uh part of this process uh part of the uh, the tyranny that's that's emerging is, is an effort to drive us indoors away from nature and, and away from light and, and and as i've explained before i believe that that is literally to turn us into part of the uh, electronic plant uh, true implants and there is some deep relationship between light as well as natural light uh, and spiritual light now there is an interesting connection as well. Be, uh, I'm also writing about uh, crystals, and crystals are very, very important in all this game. They're a major, a major element, uh, and in fact, there there are recent books which explain that how significant crystals were in the Second World War, for example. Uh, crystals are of critical importance in in a lot of uh, high technology, but they're also of critical importance in all ancient magical practices you will find that crystals come up again and again and again and uh, again there's a relationship between uh, crystals and changing state this is a key idea in relation to say whether it's the world economic forum etc so a change in the nation state into the state of the world and they're trying to change the human state and they change human state they will change human state through materials which themselves change state in accordance with external uh, signals so there, there's a very interesting connection between uh, light and crystals um, of, now i think spiritual light and consciousness is is the same thing i think spiritual consciousness uh, which is the wider term i use for consciousness is effectively uh, light and and that, that that that's where the light beings come from but there is a, a, a increasing uh, consciousness of the link between, say, for example, the pineal gland and crystals. Now, that was known about for a long period of time. But if you look at the crystals they're looking at now uh, on a very small scale in the pineal gland in recent studies, they're, they're looking at things like calcite crystals, which are also very, very important in other technologies that they're using on the brain-computer interface. And uh, these crystals are also very important in biomineralization in plants because we, we know that plants are uh, they're in a relationship with light and phototropins in, in plants help them turn towards the sun, etc. 
and they operate in accordance with uh, reactions in a crystalline form. So crystals are important in relation to being able to change the, the state of matter uh, and to, to change state, uh, whether whether it was the, uh, and it's, it's possible, it's probable that the Vikings used crystals in, in, in their navigation. So the sunstone, for example, was a, 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 a which scientists believe now that the, the Vikings used uh, w- w- was a crystal, and I think it calcite. Um, so there's a direct link. If we if we take this idea of light, my argument in relation to what I've written about light is that there is a struggle between the scientific. Now, ultimately, it could be reconciled, and and that's the hope. But there's a race between the effort to to understand the fundamental nature of light as a natural force and the spiritual idea of light and the ones that drive the industrial and corporate and uh, military industrial complex that are are working so hard to understand uh, light are in a race if you like to gain the power the, the the kind of magical power that that will give and will displace the uh, the inherent spiritual light idea and uh, will re- will replace it uh, and in that story there are there are certain issues certain context certain substances certain inquiries that give us a clue and i think uh, crystals is is the key idea and the last point on that uh, you mentioned the zeitgeist uh, series and you reminded me about that i, I had seen it um and uh, but Sometimes I find there's certain there's certain uh, themes or contexts that help me in relation to, to these issues or, or are curious, curiously prescient in some sense. And of course, The Simpsons is one of those. And The Simpsons, if you remember the episode or the, the film, I think, with the glass dome over over uh, Springfield, I always thought that that was a significant one because it accords with some of the predictions. And in that in that uh, in that film, the Mo uh, says to uh, the apparition of Russ Cargill, who uh, used to be in the Environmental Protection Agency. He says, uh, "Oh no, you don't, don't tell me we're we're going to be trapped in like rats." And the projection from the former head of the Environmental Protection Association says, "No, rats are hard to trap. It's more like carrots." Uh, and uh, I was wondering why that is, uh, but it, it accords with, again, the, the idea of ex- expressed in the book that there's a long idea that, of the human as a plant. And there you get the crystal palace, you get the the shopping malls, and you get the idea of the glass dome. And interestingly, the idea or liquid crystals was found was in, in the 1880s, was discovered uh, when they were investigating cholesterol in carrots. So there is a direct connection. So liquid crystals are most likely the type of uh, approach they're going to use in relation to brain-computer interface. So uh, I'm more skeptical about this idea, uh, drilling a hole in the head and all. Who's going to buy that? You know, some people will. Some people have done that. But as a mass technique, it's not really the one that they're going to apply. So liquid crystals uh, are a, a critical approach. And they're fundamentally they came from the study from the study of plants so 
what I'm suggesting in, in, in this recent work is that if we begin to think in terms of how these people think, why they're looking at these issues, why it's so important to have these models and where, where those models lead to, we're in a better position to understand the exact nature of their uh, perception of, uh, of of things like light. And there's no question that natural light is critical to us, uh, as is spiritual light. And if, if our would-be uh, tyrants can control our relationship with light, well, then they can interfere with our spiritual experience because it's predicated on us living in some natural relationship with the natural world once we break that connection once that connection is broken uh, it's much easier to control us well i remember clearly just thinking about the, the comment in the simpsons movie about carrots as a child sort of overhearing listening to a conversation between the adults talking about someone that they knew and i don't know if this person had had an accident or a stroke or whatever it was, but something terrible had happened and they'd suffered brain damage and um, they were, you know, wheelchair bound and incapacitated. And um, one of the adults said to the other, he's just a cabbage now. And yeah, yeah. this really, really troubled me. And yes. I, it, I, it, I resolved it myself eventually by just, you know, looking into it. But in my young mind was convinced that this meant that he'd literally transformed into a vegetable you know, yes. literally his mind, his, what was inside his skull was now, you know, literally a cabbage. And it, it was really, really, I don't know why it was so disturbing. Maybe it was just because it was so horrific and bizarre. But I, but I took that at face value. As I said, it goes back to Aristotle and Plato and the idea of the vegetative soul. It's, it's a deeply embedded idea. And of course, uh, it, it, it's it's misused in popular uh, parlance, but the idea has been there, and uh, that idea is also there in the minds of our controllers that we will be reduced to something which doesn't have that free will or doesn't have the ability to uh, to transcend a fixed and planted uh, state. So there is a deeper a deeper. Uh, and long-held tradition uh, associated with uh, that de that description, and uh, of, of course, people are uh, people are a bit more enlightened now about uh, talking about people uh, in general. But it doesn't mean that our our our, our would-be bosses uh, don't think in similar terms. One of the things that was most striking, uh, relevant to all this, which. Um, came to the fore during the uh, the pandemic period and and the response to it was that here we had this early 21st century western industrial secular scientific society you know with no need of any of that uh, mumbo jumbo from any of the holy books or spiritual traditions of the past uh, both types of materialism as mentioned earlier reigning supreme giving us everything we wanted on a, a physical, psychological, and emotional level. And yet what happened during the, the whole C-19 thing where there's this sudden upsurge in what could only be described as religious behavior, not to do down anybody on a spiritual path, but I'm talking now about that, you know, the, the not engaged form of religious behavior, you know, the, the slavish following of 
um, diktats and dogma. But it, it, for me, that betrayed a real, albeit unfocused and un, unrealized and unacknowledged desire for that type of uh, that type of engagement, that type of dimension to existence. Uh, and people latched on to uh, the, the, the ritualistic behavior that, that dominated so much of that period and pursued it often in the face of, um, you know, logical evidence to the contrary. And again, I'm not one for logic that is be all, be all and end all. It's just one way of pursuing knowledge has its limits. But that was really, really striking, I thought. So and to me, it was like an acknowledgement that this rise in religiosity would be something that would somehow be a feature of the future uh, yes. that would somehow simultaneously be being deindustrialized, but also um, seeing a ramping up in technological and scientific control, that there would be an, a, a dimension of this that would be religious or pseudo-religious. It would speak to that kind of yearning within us or attempt to, you know, it would try and placate yes. that, placate that, you know, to give us a placebo, to give us something in the place of the real quest for the transcendent that is really, I think, what, you know, what this existence seems to be about. Yes. Uh, my argument has been that what will happen in this, uh, in the empire of scientism is that we will have effectively a church of science uh, and uh, that will, will emerge. But obviously the scientists become a type of, and the technocrats become a, a priestly class. And this is exactly what Manley Hall warned about in relation to the disintegration uh, of uh, Egypt and the movement towards kind of black magic. And you could find it also in some of the descriptions of uh, Atlantis, of course. So this seems to be some inherent danger associated with the access to power. And power is when power is concentrated. It's behind uh, It's behind a, a lot of stories about misuse of power. It's, it's behind the fears of some of the cyberneticians when they began to understand what the, what the game was. So there is no doubt that all the religious traditions will be replaced. There is, there is some habit uh, which is associated with uh, ritual uh, and dogma. The only thing I would say is that uh, it's, it's fashionable to, to criticize uh, dogma, and, and it depends on what one is talking about. Uh, when, if we look at the perennial philosophy, underneath it all, there are, in all the traditions, there are some sense of uh, not committing to anything lesser than the highest consciousness or the highest uh, force, for example, uh, not having idols before it, or uh, in so, for some people that would be worshiping God or the most, uh, the most, or the greatest force in in, in the universe, uh, and. Uh, in relation to our social behavior in most of the traditions, you know, you're not meant to kill someone and you're not meant to tell lies and a few other things. I mean, the, the essential dogma is not huge or love God and love your neighbor in Christian terms. So it's been fashionable for scientists to say, oh, yeah, well, we can do spiritual experience without the dogma. But once you take out the, the core principles that, say, C.S. Lewis talked about as the basis of or the Tao, he, he, he defined in terms of the Tao, and he was talking about across all the uh, traditions. He said, once you, you take that out, 
well then you can't really go anywhere you have to you have to resort to the magical view you have to resort to uh and if you look at harari when harari is talking about there's no god in the clouds uh, there's no religion there's no spirit there's nothing under there in the in, inside uh but he talks about the gods returning and the gods of course will be him and his friends and the gods will be like the greek gods they will have power over life and death and they will be capricious they won't be like the uh the god who or concept uh that evolved so uh, w- when uh, for a long time, people have warned that the West is becoming post-Christian, and people say, "Oh, that's great. We're you know we're we're, we're secular and we're scientific, but uh, you have to pay the consequences." We haven't had a bill yet for the uh, for the for the that recent health crisis you were talking about, uh, and we haven't had the bill for a lot of other things. We haven't had the bill for rejecting uh, in in the West, say, a commitment towards some of the values of human dignity that emerged from the Greco-Roman, Judean, Christian culture. And uh, we have experience of what happens when you replace it. We have with the Bolsheviks, with the uh, with the Nazis, with the shift, as Jung saw, to Wotan. You know, when we talk about the positive side of paganism, we also have to talk about, about the negative, negative side, uh, side of it. The point being that when you have said, okay, well, we're, we'll throw the baby out with the bathwater, whatever it is, uh, we can't be surprised when we see, like in Canada, the death cult that's emerging in euthanasia. We see that, and this is all across Europe, in Belgium, I can see it happening in relation in, in Ireland, uh, where this pervasive uh, death cult will emerge. When you begin to appeal to your notions of human dignity and you appeal to rights etc you uh, you you have to one has to accept that a lot of people have been very good at casting them out because the objective in making us reject some of the traditions has been to take out the foundation uh, on which we rely on a lot of rights were gained by groups in society uh, who were struggling against force so law and rights happened often informed in in europe by a christian tradition despite how fashionable it is to re- to reject that uh, and it was from there that that, that certain rights evolved uh, if you take the magna carta uh, in britain uh, the effort to to put limits on 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 the power of the king and royalty for example was an important context in which to articulate rights which were pre-existing and to develop rights like the right to trial by jury, etc. So when we are all trained to say, well, that religion is, is a waste of time and, and look at that terrible Catholic church and look at the uh, Protestants and the Protestants Catholics killing each other and look at all the damage they've done, etc., etc. Uh, part of the process is to create the bank blank slate because we know that from what H.G. Wells has talked about and Bernal has talked about in the 1920s. Where they had, they realised they had to abolish the family, the nation state, and religion. That concludes part one of our interview. Part two will be available soon in the subscribers area at legalisefreedom.com. Legalisefreedom.com. <laughs>